These are a few of my favorite things. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 43rd episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is your host, Platy M3. And this is Yangus the Legendary Bandit, and welcome to our yearly tradition of... Yeah, telling the audience how much we love them, knitting a new ugly Christmas sweater, sending out our complimentary dollar to the Hungry Hungry Hippos <laughs> of America Club. Was that last one even real? That's for you and their listeners to decide, my friend. But seriously, Yangus, I mean... It's been a long, long year, and my brain, well, actually, I'm sure all of our brains are probably firing on about half cylinders right now. I mean, I can barely tell what I said, if it was even making sense or not. Uh, Is that why you sometimes send us messages that suddenly keep repeating the same letter for like six lines? Yeah. Quiet, quiet. Hey, stay with us, man. Hey, quiet. Sorry, man. (laughs) What? I... What were we talking about? The yearly tradition. Ah, the yearly tradition. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, Oh, where we talk about our favorite games we played in 2022. That's right. As always, these are games that we all played for the first time in 2022. Uh, they don't have to be brand new releases from this year. You know, just ones that we've played for the first time this year uh, that really stood out to us. Exactly. That's right, Yangus. And kind of like Halloween, Thanksgiving and Christmas, this comes back around every year, whether we like it or not, whether you dear listeners like it or not. Um, So let's get things going. And we've got a few guests with us tonight. We'll have some more join us on our next episode. But for tonight, please say hello to Pendy, Austin. Oh, Oh, wait, that's it. Welcome, guys. It's good to be going on slime time. Yeah. Slime time. <laughs> we got to say it with more oomph. Wait a minute. Slime time. Slime time. Slime time. Slime time. Slime time. Woo. All right. Now that we got that out of our system with an exclamation point at the end, uh, we'll start with my number one game of the year. Oh, just kidding. You'll have to wait another episode for that one. Ooh. <laughs> oh, sick burn. Got him. Z- yeah. Got, got everybody him. right now yeah. is just flipping off the episode because, you know, <laughs> they're all here for my games. They're yeah, not going to stay and listen about. to the rest. Nope. All He's right. Gone. Well, you know, if, if you don't like what you see in the show notes, just turn us off. Come back the next episode. <laughs> hit, that, hit that next button on your podcast catcher. It'll be fine. It'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do want to stick around for, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start with someone who's always got the Dragon Quest content, no matter if we're uh, doing Dragon Quest or not. Um, although we got both tonight. So, Pendy, why don't you start us off with one of your uh, favorite games you've played this year? Yes. So I'm going to start off with Dragon Quest Treasures. Wow, an oldie but a goodie. I know, right? It's, it's been out for so long this year. It's been, it's been a minute. But, I've you know, I won't five say... times over. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> And, you know, I won't say too much about this game because we're about to record an episode about it. But (laughs) I will say that this has been a fantastic game so far. I'm 14 hours into it, and I've had a fun time finding what treasure it has to offer. So, like, the treasure you can find runs the gamut from mainline games, spinoffs, and even recent mobile games. You have what you'd expect to find between characters, monsters, items, and equipment. But you also have very specific moments from games, like the three beginning treasures, treasure chest the king gives you in the first Dragon Quest game, or say, for example, the door that Ujam, Ujam breaks down in the Palais de Leon for Maya and Mina in Dragon Quest Four. So very specific moments of that, too. There's also a theme there with some broken things, because you got Alina's broken wall that she uh, yeah. kicks through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I like the that. first thing you get. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think everybody gets that one. That seems to be one of the ones that... Uh... I do love that mechanic. Uh, like, I've got the world map from Dragon Quest Seven. I thought that was so cool. Oh, yeah, I just I, got the one for eight. 
I was going to say, I think they might have all of them because I've gotten like the three and I think I've gotten five or something like that. So we are compiling a list for the den of all the different treasures. So, oh, yeah, it's, in, it's interesting to see what everybody's typing in because, you know, I got 200, but there's 700, 800 plus. So, yeah, there's there's a lot. And there's like a, a wide variety of how you can go about collecting them, too. It's a very open world, and it gives you plenty of fun tasks to do. It's great to battle with your monster companions and use their special abilities, or as the game calls it, fortes, to explore the world. Jumping, gliding, stealth mode, etc. You know, I look forward to talking more about this in the uh, upcoming Slime Time episode. But, uh, you know, in summary, yar. It'd be a good game. I highly recommend it to all the lads and lasses out there. Seems like you got a pirate caught in your throat there, Pendy. <coughs> I know you've been under the weather, but... Uh... This damn cold I had the last few days. Uh, or maybe a, right. maybe, a, maybe a bit of scurvy. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, eat a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> Suck on a lemon. And really, that'll help. Maybe not for the throat, though. <laughs> But all right, we'll, we'll, we'll cut Pendy off there because, yes, if you are uh, listening to our episodes of a stew out of order, um, you've probably already heard the uh, Treasures episode. If you were listening to them too in order, that might come out probably 24 hours after this one. So, uh, again, just hit that next button on your podcast catcher and you can hear Pendy and me and a few other of us talk all about Treasures, a whole bunch more. So, uh why don't we uh, go to, go to something that maybe didn't come out in the past uh, five days, and uh, <laughs> go down to Aust. Aust, you got some. Uh, ooh, I love I love some of your things here. Yeah, I just copy paste pick a game. all my notes. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, so I guess uh, the best way to do this, I'm gonna go with uh, Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo first. Okay. Uh, that was so. I started playing that at the beginning of this year. It's it's um pretty. It's I mean obviously it's. It's pretty uh, harsh in, in terms of um, ter- uh, quality of life. That's the word I'm looking for. Mm. Quality of life <laughs> uh, features, of which it has none, really. Um, <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> yeah. I know you've played this one because I think you, you said you that was like the first one you played. Oh, uh, th- this is the one that I had a middle school. When I was in college, I think it was like 98. I was a middle school kid that I was tutoring in math. And he's like, do you ever download ROMs? And I'm like, what are you talking about, kid? <laughs> like think of this like middle schoolers about to talk to me about porn and yeah. you no know, he's talking to me about uh <laughs> harvest moon was actually what he's like you gotta play this harvest moon game and i'm like what yeah uh, yeah go ahead this is this is the first one uh it was released on the super nintendo in oh gosh 92 i'm not sure uh but anyway yeah it's the first one it's very um you can tell how like harvest moon 64 is a much more refined version of this game Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's it's like it is such a grind. You can only hold two items. You can only carry two items with you at a time. There's no like inventory, no traditional inventory, so to speak. Uh, what really counts as an inventory is your storage shed that's on your farm. That is a physical place you go to to, to swap out your two tools. It's it's um it can it it, it can be a bit. Uh, <laughs> It really, it, like, managing your it's time. Dated. It is yeah, dated. Yeah, it, it's definitely dated. Uh, it, it really affects how you manage your time, because that's what these games are. They're time management games. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, you're running between the shed and, and the garden, like, planting your crops or, you know, heading to the, the barn every morning, um, which is, that was that was the worst part for me, is once I reached year, I want to say the halfway it may have been at the yeah okay so it was halfway through year two which is when i maxed out the amount of cows in the barn and the um the performance just tanked 
as soon as that happened, uh, which is apparently just a thing that happens with this game. When you have the max amount of cows in your barn, it, it lags like crazy. So fortunately, time in the game does not pass in, in the barn. You can like spend as much time as you want in there and you don't lose any like of your your daylight hours but man when you're trying to get through this game and you reach the halfway point because the game goes on for three years and so you're happy mm-hmm. so you're about you're halfway through year two and you've got your barn full like that's 10 minutes of your of of that day that you're gonna spend like 10 IRL minutes real life minutes in the barn every every in-game day to, to just milk all the cows brush all the cows and feed all the cows that was that was the worst part that was when I almost stopped playing <laughs> um, but <laughs> I will say I remember that and I remember being very thankful and then doing other management games later on that like wait a minute why is time not stopping I'm in the barn <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was a yeah. nice feature, but then yeah, if you get very deep into it, you're like, oh boy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what point in the franchise they stopped doing that, but it was, it that that time freezes in the barn, and time also freezes at like six o'clock each day, which is a bug. Actually, it's supposed to go to midnight, and then you you pass out if you don't go to sleep before then. So you can stay up past six o'clock and then do all the stuff on your farm, which is uh, if you're planting, that's really the best time to do it at night. But then there's like also this really there's these really weird things that you just have to work around. Like you can't once five o'clock hits and the, the guy comes and pick, picks up all your crops out of your bin. You can't put anything else in there for the rest of the night because it just it's like throwing it away. It doesn't get it doesn't sell past five o'clock. Even the next day mm-hmm. it won't sell. So, like, there's just so much, like, really uh, finicky, like, time management stuff you have to work around in this game that really is a pain. But the atmosphere of it is very, uh, very charming. Um, There was playing going back and playing this because i never played this as a kid I, I started with harvest moon 64 but going back and playing this there are so much in this game that you can see that directly inspired stardew valley and of course i mean somebody would hear that and say yeah well yeah it's you know it's obviously a, a successor to harvest moon but there's like there's just easter eggs in stardew valley that directly call back to this game uh, some of the world design in Stardew Valley are very clearly like copying things from this game. There are events that happen in this game that happen in Stardew Valley. The art style in Stardew Valley is very much um, based on this. Like my wife saw the the player home and she said, "Are you playing Stardew Valley?" Mm-hmm. Uh, I swear, there's even like the town theme. It sounds just like a song from Stardew Valley. I swear, I swear that uh, Concerned Ape just like slowed it down and added some different instrumentation to it to make it sound better. But it's like the same song. Um, there's just, there's so much that you could tell that was, this was his, you know, where his point of nostalgia came back to. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just so much of the atmosphere of it was very charming. And I, even though it was like a pain to play and I don't think I'll ever do a hardcore run of it again. Um, like I'll never like try to play it to completion. I may just play around with it someday just to revisit it. But it, even though like um, it was that grindy, I did enjoy it. Like I do sort of look back fondly on playing it this year. Yeah, it's where all these the whole genre started. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's I mean, there's so much of its DNA spread throughout, you know, all these types of games that, you know, it's it's hard not to respect it, even though it's super flawed Mm -hmm. but yeah that's um that's pretty much all i have to say about it good it's a it's a classic um you know if you if you are a hardcore fan of these types of games you know maybe try it out don't don't uh don't do like a full run of it but you know (laughs) at least check it out if you get frustrated it's okay to put it away (laughs) you've seen what there is to see exactly 
you're not going to be amazed at uh, year two or year three what you didn't do in year one. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you get to a blue feather? You get married? Yeah. Yeah. I married okay. Ellen. Yeah, I, did, I finished it. Um, like I, I, I had to look up a guide. Like you, you really have to look up a guide for the for the old school games because oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's so many th- like hidden mechanics that go into calculating your score. Like you have a score for your farm and like your farm progression and how you develop it and all this stuff. And you know, if you get below a certain score, then your dad comes along at the end of year three and he's like, "Well, you're a failure, son. You can't do this anymore." <laughs> Let's go back to the city. I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't say it like that, but it's that's pretty much what it is. Uh, so, yeah, like I, I followed a guide to make sure I was going to win. You know, I, I wanted to have a good ending. And there's a bunch of like different cutscenes you get depending on like if you have all the cows and if you ship so many tomatoes, then you get like certain cutscenes at the end uh, that interact with different characters. And I didn't get all of those, obviously, but I made sure I got like some of the ones I really wanted to try to get and uh uh, uh, overall, I, I think I did pretty good how I played it. Uh, that's pretty cool for a game that's that old, too, to have all those different. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting, yep. wasn't expecting that part, to be honest. All right. I would have a witty transition here, but I don't really know what Yangus is going to talk about first. So, uh, Yangus, why don't you uh, take it away with your uh, first game? that you'd like to talk about from you played this year okay um so i had to do a little bit of change up but we'll talk about that a little later uh so for my first game that i'm going to talk about i'm going to talk about voice of cards uh the isle dragon wars uh for the nintendo for the nintendo switch it also came out on ps4 steam and i think pretty much ever every other modern console but uh, i played the switch version uh this was one of the games that i actually played this year that uh did not come out this year it came out late last year or the fall of last year uh, anyway it is a turn-based is classic turn-based rpg in card form it's like out he's back in pogs <laughs> but yeah um this is a, a turn-based rpg from square enix and it was actually made by people who worked on the near series which you've never played those uh those involve usually well the newest one involved like robot people for instance uh, but Voice of Cards uh, takes place in a more traditional kind of fantasy world. Uh, you play as a young mercenary named Ash, who's joined by his uh, monster companion uh, named Mar, and by a young witch uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, the three of you set off to uh, find and defeat the uh, titular dragon in the title. And as you go through the game, you, you're joined by a few more allies. You run into uh, this uh, rival group of, of um, quote-unquote hunters. Um they're called the White Order. Uh, all of them have like a naming scheme where Win is in their name somehow. Like there's Winifred, Gwendolyn, uh, Gwendolyn, <laughs> something like that. But uh, yeah, so very classic turn-based RPG format. Uh, you, know, you pick your characters, you'll have different skills you'll get as you level up. Um, how this game works with magic, though, is that you'll get these little uh, crystals that'll show up on the battle screens, and uh, you'll use those as your uh, MP. Uh, you get some skills that will restore crystals for you. Uh, you know, depending on the character, they'll have magic that do different elemental attacks. Uh, you'll have some characters like Mar, who's like your physical powerhouse, or who could be your um, defense-oriented character. Uh, the nice thing is, is that you can customize character movesets to, you know, whatever sort of fits your play style, or you can put characters into certain roles. Uh, one of the characters I particularly liked was one of the last guys who joins. Um, unfortunately, I forget his name, too. But he's like this big muscular looking guy and i thought okay he's gonna be like your powerhouse well you can actually make him to be um your support character because he can use uh, really good healing abilities 
He has uh, some uh, passive skills that let him increase the attack or the defense of your party uh, in battle. Uh, he's got some other helpful stuff, and he can do damage if you want him to, but I found that that flexibility was really fun with the combat system of this game. Uh, it is pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Uh, definitely some fights later on in the game get a little more challenging, but I found this to be a really uh, interesting and engaging game to get into, uh, mainly because I really liked how the game presented itself. So, like I said, it takes place in this, it's a, it's a card-based game, and I do mean that quite literally, where everything is uh, portrayed by uh, playing cards. So all your characters pick on one side of the card, uh, monsters have their own cards, uh, the overworld is card. It's basically like if you were playing uh, on a big table because all the dialogue is told to you via what's a character called the Game Master, who you never see him on screen, but he narrates everything for you, what characters say, what goes on. I was pretty impressed that like like 90% of the text in this game was uh, voiced over by the Game Master. And uh, shout out to the voice actor uh, who did all of the voice work for this game. Uh, funny enough, I actually tweeted at him and he actually did reply back and was like, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, this is a this is a game that I just kind of picked up on a whim. It really interested me when they first revealed it. Uh, it was back last year when they showed off stuff like Dungeon Encounters, uh, and some of these other Square Enix projects that were coming. And what interested me was that this was a bit of a smaller scale project for Square Enix. And honestly, I think it uh, they really knocked it out of the park with how they handled the game. I don't quite get why they had like two other sequels come out this year alone already, but the first game pretty good. I would definitely recommend it if you're looking for a new, uh, just kind of classic turn-based RPG. Uh, if you're looking for something that maybe has a bit of a card game system to it, this is a good one to check out. And I definitely am glad that the game is only like, only took me about 15 hours to beat it. So you know what? It's not even a, a super crazy long game either, in which, you know what? Sometimes you don't need a super long RPG. You just need something that's only going to take you about 15, 20 hours and you call it good. So yeah, I would recommend uh, Voice of Cards if you are looking for a new RPG. Nice. You're going to get the uh, other ones at some point? You got them bookmarked? or I do. Uh, right now I'm waiting to get those ones. I'm kind of waiting to see if they do a sale. I'm also kind of waiting to see if they're going to do like a, a three-in-one sort of physical release for the C region because uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because as we just learned today actually earlier uh, yep. the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters are going to be coming to Switch and PS4 so kind of like with that. those I'm going to I'm going to kind of wait and see if they're going to do a, a physical release before I get too um, you know crazy with buying copies of these games but yeah um I'm looking forward to trying the other two, but I definitely enjoyed the first one quite a bit. And if you're looking to uh, play one of these voice of cards games, I would say start with the first one and see how you feel about it. Nice. Yeah. I know. I think I've got the first one bookmarked on my uh, favorite DekuDeals.com website. Angus, do you happen to know the name of the voice actor that you ended, ended up uh, contacting? Um, yeah, give me a sec here. Let me tell you what his name is. I'll go to my tweeter and pull up the tweet. The Yangus tweeter. The tweeter. Go to your tweeter and pull up the tweet. Go to the tweeter. If you want to follow Yangus on Twitter, just look up Yangus the Legend <laughs> or at Yangus the Legend. And there I be. Okay. I actually followed you just the other day. Ha ha. Yeah, so the voice actor for the game was uh, Todd Habercorn. He's done a uh -oh. lot of different VA work for tons of games and anime. So uh, shout out to Todd. He, you did a phenomenal job, sir, with all the narration. Nice. I'll have to look him up later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I don't really have uh, too much else to say about it. It was just uh, just one of those games that I got into it a lot more than I thought it was going to. And you know what? I really enjoyed the simple presentation for it. It, it was a lot like the reason why like I enjoyed uh, Dungeon Encounters so much, too, where it was uh, mm -hmm. nothing too flashy. But you know what? The gameplay was, was really those fun. Those two came out kind of close to each other, didn't they, last year? Or they at least, did. They yeah, did, they were, yeah. It, 
I know Square Enix was like, hey, look, here's some of our uh, not not exactly AAA quality, but still like very nice, smaller scale projects. Mm-hmm. Should I say? You know yeah, I mean, because oh, they, they're not budget. They're not. I was going to say they don't look ugly or anything, but they're not. You know, full 3D worlds with everything. But I mean, they they get all the voice acting. I know this one's got a demo on the eShop. So yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you said something about that too, because um, actually, a cool little thing about the demo. It's actually a prequel story to the main game itself. It give, it still gives you the sort, same sort of gameplay and everything, but uh, you actually get to play as the three Ivory Order um, characters that I mentioned before that you keep running into. And uh, with the way that that quest, en- or with the way the demo ends, you actually get to see uh, the very end of it at the very beginning of um, the full game itself. So you know whether you did, you played the demo or not, then kind of helps catch up to speed. Hmm. But it's a it's it's a I think the demo is only like about an hour and a half, maybe maybe two hours at the max if you go for everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, definitely mm-hmm. I would I would say check the demo out, too, because it gives you a little bit more story and a little bit more info about the world and uh, uh, these three Ivory Order characters. And, you know, it's not super long either. So, you know, I'd recommend it. All right. Well, going on to our looping back up to game that somebody will recommend here. Um, I think they, if you're a stew listener of the, all the parts of the stew, you might have heard about this one before. Pendy, why don't you uh, go to your bread and butter? You know, before I get into this, I, I do have to say when you're struggling for a transition from uh, Ost to Yangus, you could have <laughs> said, you know, now we're moving on over to Yangus. Oh, man, I could have gone with the cow. That would have been perfect. Oh, damn it. You're going to have to record it separately and then edit it in now. <laughs> Yangus, uh, what do you have to say about me editing? Platy does editing. There we go. There we oh, go. I know he, I know he There's does. There's the line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right, well, back back to you, Pendy. Yes, surprise. The Tactfully Die host chose Tact as his game of the year. What? Again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been a fun year of Tact. There has been lots of fun additions to the game, and it's actually going to hit its two-year anniversary in January. So congratulations on Tact for not being stars. Is this the, I was going to say, is this the only <laughs> English language game that's made it this long? So Dragon far. Dragon Quest Mobile? Yeah, okay. So far. Cool. The Die is still going along, so the uh, the Die mobile game is still, still going on. I forget, it hit its one-year anniversary, so it's got a ways to go before it hit its two-year, but that's still chugging along as well so we'll see yeah but uh one of the big additions intact was that they started actually adding main heroes and they started with the hero of dragon quest 3 <clears throat> excuse me uh before they introduced him uh we weren't even sure if they were going to do main game protagonists and what's funny is that one of his abilities that they have for him in the game is cooking. And unlike most <laughs> Dragon Quest games with that ability, it's actually been extremely useful for a lot of people. I can, just heard that recently. Yeah, you can use it on yourself or an ally, and it even takes away status abilities that you or they may have, like poison or paralysis, which is awesome. So, for example, you can have like a weaker character make an aggressive move in a battle, and then clang that character to make sure that they don't get thumped when the other team makes their move. So it's actually, it's surprisingly useful. Nice, nice. Yeah, and so the other thing that they added this year was they added guild arena battles, and those have been great. You can join or create a guild of up to about 20 people, actually exactly 20 people you can go up to, and the guilds will compete with each other in using in-game stamina, and they'll have scheduled guild arena tournaments. So I started in the Den Guild, but then I moved on to the top uh, Dragon Quest Tact 
Aces Guild to be a little more competitive. Uh, for the Dragon Quest Tact Facebook group, uh, my Tactfully Die co-host East X uh, created that group, and he ended up making three different guilds, all called Aces, and they all have varying levels of competition. In the uh, the guild arena consists of uh, when you do a guild arena battle between another guild, it consists of three qualifier matches, and then depending on how you do, you get put in uh, three different—not uh, three different—but you put in, you get put into different tiers uh, for your final three matches. So depending on how you do, you can get to like a high tier match against a bunch of really good teams, or the lower tier matches. And you get to set up a defense team that your opponent will have to fight, and then you can set up an offense team to take on their defense teams. So it's not live, so it's all. All the defense teams are AI controlled, like the regular weekly arena matches that you can do on your own. But And speaking of live, they have recently also introduced real-time arena matches. They're actually live one-on-one -on -one matches. It's open several times a day for a few hours at a time, and you can climb up and down many different tiers for the rewards. If you lose, you can lose enough points to fall back down tiers, but once you get to the next tier level, you can't be knocked out. So I can get knocked down from like bronze one to bronze two, for example. But if I go from bronze and graduate up to silver, now I can't be knocked out of silver back to bronze. And I'm guaranteed those rewards for making it to that level. Uh, they also had a fantastic Adventure of Die crossover this past year. I loved getting all the die characters they had to offer. Uh, like with the other Dragon Quest mobile games, I hope they do multiple crossovers of die. There's just a lot of characters from the anime that they can do. Uh, as I say sometimes, I'm just dying for it to happen. <laughs> But uh, besides the two-year anniversary that's coming up in January, I'm also looking forward to the Final Fantasy crossover happening soon with Final Fantasy Brave Exvius. Uh, I actually used to play Brave Exvius a long time ago, and they would often do a lot of Dragon Quest crossovers. They put characters in their games, such as the Dragon Lord, or characters from Eleven when they're trying to promote that earlier back in the day. But if you didn't know, this is also the game that has had guest character appearances by the likes of Ariana Grande and Katy Perry. But uh, in the end, I'm just excited to have Chocobos, Cactars, and Moogles as confirmed playable characters in tech. That'll be a lot of fun to have. So, in summary, yar! No, no, just kidding. No more pirate talk. If you like tactical gameplay, mix of heroes, bosses, and the monsters of tech, this game is for you. Definitely for me. All right. So, Penny, I got a question that almost goes nothing with what you just talked about. But nice. it has been a. <laughs> but listening to Tactfully Die, I, I, I don't know why it finally popped in my head today, because, and maybe I've mentioned this before, and it's just because I'm getting old. Uh, going to the die half of your podcast. Mm hmm. Is there any reason they named um, Die's Two Companions Mom and Pop? Is that or is that just a happy? That's what it sounds like. Or that's what it goes to in English. Oh yeah, that's that's the the author just having fun with names. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the, it is it is supposed to be a reference to be to be you know, like like an actual like mom and pop kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I I was listening I think a couple of weeks ago and just hearing you say it over and over again because I mean I haven't watched much of the anime but i i read it all so you know it's different once you start hearing people say it over and over again I'm like oh shit that's what i was saying in my head for an entire year reading through six thousand plus pages oh yeah so. he likes he likes to get like goofy of character names like that or like there's the you know the characters that come into play later they're all like based off of chess pieces and stuff like that mm -hmm. so, oh yeah. yeah yeah i remember them mm -hmm. definitely yeah as i as i evolved my uh bishop pokemon into my king pokemon today so uh, uh, yeah oh yeah and in fact like in the last episode we were talking about the different verns like there's different verns in the oh yeah and they the, all had that they mean different things depending on uh what happens much later on in the anime is it a title is that what vern is oh no no it's it's more it's more about like the other names associated with vern 
oh, like okay. Mistvern and Dark and yeah, Kilvern yeah. and all that. They'll eventually explain like why they're named quite that way. All right, I, I might have sped through that, so I will listen to it though. In listen to one day you explain that to me. Yeah, it's it's only <laughs> you know it'll only be like in the eighties and the nineties when we eventually get to that point <laughs> when they finally yeah, so explain maybe- it. Maybe, maybe next summer, maybe next fall, yeah, when Untactfully Die. A couple years from now, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> two episodes of Pop. All right, so we've uh, gone through another one of Pendy's, and we'll get a... a, a again, I don't, I don't have a tactful way to transition here because I don't know where he's going. But, Aust, what is the next game you'd like to talk about? You know, you could say that Platy has forgotten what your next game is you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that that pun would really land. Oh, guy, you beat me to it. I was gonna be yeah, like, no, Yegus landed that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Kirby. Kirby. So yeah, I stole this from Yangus. I beat him up and and stole it. You sure did. Hey, we got um, some voice of cards ho- out of it though. So I'm in it's the hospital right. right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. So uh, Kirby is that's the the. Well, not the, I was going to say it's the newest Kirby game, but it's not. They just came out with a new one, didn't they? Back in August, but yeah. Yeah, but well, spin-off one, one, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I didn't realize it was a spin-off. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so Kirby in the Forgotten Land, it's like a main title entry, full, you know, 3D platformer. Um, I picked this up, uh, gosh, May, I think, whenever it came out. I, p- I played the demo with my son, and he really liked it and asked me if he wanted to play it more. So went and picked up the full game, and we actually completed it. It would be the first video game he ever finished. Um, we played uh, co-op quite a bit, um, which I was thankful that it included. Although I wish it the co-op had been more like Kirby's Superstar, where... In that game for the Super Nintendo, the second player could play as like a power up. Like you could, you know, if Kirby Kirby swallowed, um, you know, the flame power up, then you press a button and then the two player, second player gets to use that power up. But in this one, you're just Waddle D and all you have is a spear, which um, meant that for the most part, uh, I had to use the spear because my son really liked playing as Kirby. <laughs> but uh, the best power up I thought was the was the Space Ranger, which is like the final rank up for the um, the gun, like the Musketeer power up. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how they included the ability to like level up all your your different power ups throughout the game. It sort of gave it a nice little gameplay loop of like looking for the gems you use to power them up. Uh, yeah, play. That... I haven't played a Kirby game in a long time, so I don't know if that's new or not. No, that that is new. Yeah, I was gonna. That was one of the things that I really liked about the game too, Aust. Um, because just well, I guess I'll just quickly mention. Um, from I haven't played other other Kirby games. This one has a bit of a lower count for Kirby power ups. I think there's like twelve or thirteen base ones. But with the upgrade system, you can really radically change. You know, your fire. You can change how sword works. Uh, one of my favorites was changing hammer from the standard one to the squeaky hammer, where every time Kirby swings it, it goes like. <laughs> Yeah. But it can attack really fast, <laughs> so it's really worth using. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Sorry, anyway, continue. No, yeah. Uh, feel free to jump in at any time. Um, uh, yeah, like it really, like a lot of the power-up uh, different uh, ranks are like, they, they do sort of almost feel like different power-ups completely, um, depending on, you know, what part they're at. Uh, it was, and and speaking of power-ups, like the whole mouthful, mouthful mode gimmick was really fun um i thought it i thought it was pretty entertaining like just driving the car around or being the vending machine like there's never there's never not a moment where i i don't chuckle internally at seeing kirby like trying to fit himself around a car you know (laughs) it's 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 just it's hilarious 
Uh, my, but my favorite one of those was uh, I'll just say real quick. My favorite one of those was the light bulb one, and I thought they had a really good use for that too in the um, uh, haunted house level in the third world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my son loves replaying that level a lot. Uh, yeah, you have to like um, you have to light the path uh, to see how to get through. But then there are certain monsters who um, certain enemies who are attracted to the light, so you have to turn it off at certain points. Um, it's pretty. That's pretty pretty cool way to use it. Um, trying to think of what my favorite would be. The the little racing mini games that you have in some of the levels are pretty fun with the car. Oh and, yeah, there's some good ones. And the uh, the gl- when you do the gliding, like the I don't know what you'd call it, like parasailing almost. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd call it that, or like paragliding. Yeah, yeah, that was that's a pretty that was a pretty cool way to like, you just get to do some. It, it just changes up the gameplay, like it keeps it interesting because mm-hmm. you've got like a little ring course you've got to fly through. Um, yeah, and then there's like the little the speaking of mini games or side stuff uh, in the the hub. I, I guess it's not really a hub, but like the hometown Waterloo town. There's like tons of little things you can like play around with there, like fishing. You know, it's not very complicated, but you know, for a four year old, my son thought it was pretty entertaining. You know, I, I find that I'm enjoying a lot of the stuff that he's in, he enjoys. Just um, I guess that's how parenting works but um uh it's like a very good game for both adults and kids like there's plenty of stuff there for kids to enjoy and it's not going to be boring to an adult playing alongside them like it's you know it's kirby it's not it's not necessarily aimed at kids but it's definitely kid friendly uh he he never like he he was able to do a lot in this game on his own which he just can't do in some other games Mm -hmm. um yeah like uh collecting toys throughout the game is pretty fun like getting to see what you what you get like it, it even has like you can go to the little machines it's like a little little gotcha game inside of kirby where you collect all sorts of different toys and uh that can be pretty fun to like to look at all your collection um but yeah this is uh, the game yangus you mentioned that i should pick up for the kids right uh th- well this one and star allies star allies is oh, one yeah. you can play with up to four people but uh kirby and forgotten land is really good too i I picked this one up on a whim when it was announced, um, what was it, like, fall of last year. It was one of our first, I was like, oh, okay, it's another new Kirby game. But then when they revealed that it's more based around, like, fully 3D explorable levels, it was like, oh, that's actually a pretty cool idea. It really gave me um, Super Mario Odyssey vibes with how Nintendo kind of went back to the sandbox level approach for a full 3D Mario game. But then when we're playing the game itself, it was like, oh, okay, it's more like Super Mario uh, 3D Land or 3D World where... You still go level to level, but they're you know these full like pretty much fully explorable environments that are you know, have a lot of secrets hidden in them, and you have um, you know all these enemies, you know different ways to approach situations. Um, but yeah, I picked this one up on a whim earlier this year. Um, I forget when exactly. I know it was like around the time it launched, but I ended up really enjoying this game, and I think I talked about it with Paul on a previous episode of Side Quest quite a bit. I forget which number episode it was. I think it was our favorite endings episode, part two, if I remember right. But um, I really enjoyed. It. There's a lot of fun details, and it, it was a, a long time, kind of like with Oscar, where it had been a long time since I'd played a brand new uh, Kirby game, and I really got into it and enjoyed it a lot. And actually, kind of kickstarted me um, playing a lot of other Kirby games this year uh, that I had previously missed out on, um, mainly because I found out that this year was actually Kirby's uh, 30th anniversary. So uh, I really enjoyed it a lot too, and I can uh, tell you with the fishing minigame thing, you know, a four year old enjoyed it, but when I was 28 at the time, I still was really enjoying it too. <laughs> <laughs> the little fishing mini game. Yeah, it's very addictive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, and it's not like 
it's not like you have to put much effort into it or anything, but it is like this fun little thing you kill time with that kind of you, you don't realize how much time passes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun, but and really that's what I would say. Like this entire game. Uh, was if i could just describe it in one word it was fun like i never felt bored the entire time playing it or going for uh the hundred percent i really enjoyed um i enjoyed all my time with the game um and i especially enjoyed uh, the new little character that they introduced with this game uh elfalin he yeah. he's a he's a cute little sucker i love that little guy yeah i was so i was so glad and um when they brought out Kirby's Dream Buffet, which was uh, the spinoff game we mentioned a little bit ago, uh, I was really glad that they actually included him in that game as a little hat that Kirby <laughs> could wear. And the funny thing is, is that he still moves around and he follows right after like he does in um, Waddle Dee Town and uh, Forgotten Land. It's so much fun. I, I, I love the little guy. He's a great little character. I hope he shows up again. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, uh, do you have anything else? Yeah, it, I just want to pretty much say what you did. It's uh, it's just a happy game. Like I don't I don't think there was a moment there was a, there was never a moment like you said. There was never a moment where it was boring. Nothing nothing ever felt grindy. Like there was nothing I really didn't want to do. Um, even like the the quote unquote grindy parts where you're trying to get those rare rare stones uh, to level up your weapons. Like that's still fun to go do because you've got like these little challenges to do them and there's not a ton of them it, i don't know it's it's a very fun sort of addictive gameplay loop but it's it's not i never i never come away from it feeling like, like i've spent my time poorly mm-hmm. it was just just a good experience all around mm-hmm. yeah i i fully agree on that one it's this was a game that really kind of surprised me this year uh, that I really got a kick out of. And, uh, you know, Oz joked that he stole this one from me, but uh, he pretty much said a lot of the same things that I was going to say. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we both, you know, were able to you know, kind of collab for this one, you know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I thought this game was a really good time. And, you know, if you if you're new to Kirby or if you're an old Kirby fan, this is definitely one I would say uh, it's worth checking out if you can and um you know if you can play with a buddy i i played single player but i still had a really good time but you know what if you can you know play multiplayer whether it's with a friend or with your kids you know whatever the case might be depending on your situation uh you know you have Austin's recommendation for that so there you go you got two sides of uh, the same coin there for how to approach this game nice good both ways um yeah a good game and another game that uh you're gonna hear about next might have a familiar ring to it after the uh game of the year awards the other day but uh that that's that's the transition i finally nailed one game of the year baby game of the year baby Can I just follow you up on stage and talk about it? Something well, about Bill Clinton, something, something. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get that joke. I really did not understand that one. I still don't understand it. But, <laughs> but, but um, you don't have to for this game. No, you don't. Uh, yes, I am going to talk about Elden Ring for my next game. Uh, as you, some of you may or may not remember, um, when we did our games we're looking forward to in 2022 episode uh, way back early last or late last year, I guess. Never mind. Excuse me. Uh, when we did that episode, I had like next to nothing to say about Elden Ring because I did not look up any info on the game and I wanted to keep myself in the dark and honestly I'm really glad I did because Elden Ring was a lot of fun uh this was this is the newest game from uh from software uh it came out in I believe it was either end of January or end of February I I don't quite remember it was early in the year yeah it was late winter late winter time okay I I know I got this game like pretty much I think that actually I think funny enough I got it the day after it launched because um well I'll go into that here in a sec but uh this is the newest game from from software uh it's if you are familiar with Dark Souls or Bloodborne uh those games from the uh from the company uh you'll 
recognize a lot of the same sort of elements in Bloodborne, but now with a much bigger world to explore and with a lot more uh, freedom for what you can do. Um, I won't go too much into the plot. I don't want to go, you know, too over talking about this game, but uh, basically there's this family of gods. Uh, something unfortunately happened in the past that sort of caused this family to split off into different factions, uh, take control of this uh, part of the world that's called the Lands Between, and you are one of the uh, Tarnished, that, which is basically this version's game of like the undead or of humanity at the name for it uh that has risen uh due to the splitting of the elden ring which as you learn in the beginning of the game and the opening sequence uh was uh shattered and split amongst uh many members of this royal family and uh, little fragments going to many of the tarnished uh you included um the game is an open world exploration based one uh, a lot of freedom to where you can go and what you can do uh, there are times where the game will kind of point like, hey, if you're looking to, you know, progress the story or, you know, move things along in sort of the intended way, there's little trails you can follow that'll show up from the little uh, sites of grace, which are basically like your campfires you can rest at and level up at. Or you can just, you know, do what you want. You can go around, explore. You see something off in the distance that looks interesting. Hey, go to it and check it out and see if, uh, you know, there's something good there. Uh, personally, it took me about 180 hours to beat this game for the first time. Uh, started okay. shortly... <laughs> Well, you know what's funny? I was one of my... Uh, That's guy, why I stopped playing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. One guy, like, I had a very different experience from uh, one guy I work with. I was talking to him about the game. He said he beat it in 80 hours. And I was just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, how'd you beat this in 80 hours? There's so much to see and do. Why? <laughs> like, I just took my time with it. Like, I... This, this was a game like Breath of the Wild where I didn't really feel a compulsion to rush. You know, I just took my time, kind of just took in the world, you know, just enjoyed um, exploring everywhere that I could. You know, if there were places that I thought, oh, maybe I should try going back to there and see if I can, because uh, with any, like, Souls game, sometimes you go to places and they enemies kick your ass real fast. You're like, oh, I need to go back and... Uh, go back and do some grinding or go explore elsewhere and then come back. So it was a, it was a lot of that. But yeah, it took me about 180 hours to beat it. Um, I beat it at, I don't have my PS4 on at the moment, but I believe it was the end of last month or the very beginning of this month where I finally uh, hit credits. and was like, yes, I beat it. Um, but yeah, started it shortly after launch. Um, I think I got it like the day or day at, or the, the, I think it was that weekend right after it came out actually. Um, but yeah, it took me a most of the year on and off to play through it. It was kind of one of those games where it was a good thing to, you know, play it for a few weeks and then I put it away, you know, play it again a little in the summer, put it away, kind of did that sort of just to, you know, break things up so I didn't get, like, burnt out on it. But, uh, yeah, so, like, I went into this game knowing, like, next to nothing about it, but uh, watched a bit of an impression, an early, you know, impressions of, like, the early game. You know, it was really taken in by it and i really enjoyed some of the new changes that they made to uh this uh, souls kind of formula that they have i uh, really enjoyed the open world exploration uh didn't feel too overwhelming either so that was you know that was really nice uh i did like how you now have a faithful steed named torrent who you can summon up to help you move across faster uh they added in a jump button Woo! they added in Whee! jumping boys <laughs> the platformer the platformer child in me was very happy about that <laughs> but no um Jumping is very nice in this game, and it's it's so much easier to use than like in Souls or Bloodborne, where you had to use the run button and then you had to you know push another button while you're running to do it. It's just, yeah, it's so much easier now, where you don't have to like click the stick just to do it. Much more convenient. Uh, but a lot of other little um, 
sort of quality and life improvements from older or from like past FromSoft games that use the sort of formula uh, that really helped make Elden Ring a very uh, cohesive and fun experience. Uh, definitely enjoyed how the, they did try and give you a bit more presentation for the story, but they also at the same time, you know, they kept things, you know, kind of ambiguous. And um, I talked about this with Platy and I think some others on Discord where, you know, I kind of talked about how I kind of like when a story is a little more on the ambiguous side on some details so you can, uh, you know, sort of fill in the fill in the holes yourself with the context or with um, some of the text you can find. But um, yeah, again, I don't want to talk about this game too much since I don't want to sound too repeaty or whatever, but I will say, um, you know, a lot of, for as many things I think the game does pretty well, personally, I'm really not a fan of how difficult and fast some of the bosses and normal enemies can become, especially later in the game. It, it felt like after a certain point that bosses just were starting to attack like really quickly they didn't really have much recovery on their moves and it just it, it was kind of a weird balance like so like from soft games are usually always pretty difficult but you always kind of feel like they're sort of even footing between you and bosses or normal enemies but there were just some bosses later on where it was like oh my gosh just like i need like a like a second or two to breathe here for just you know for just a little bit and um like one of the bosses that i especially struggled with was a uh, malaketh and um the infamous super boss uh millennia who was oh she was she people were not kidding when she they were saying that she was difficult by god (laughs) but um yeah it just stuff like that just didn't feel quite as satisfying combat wise uh most of the rest the rest of the game was i thought had a pretty good balance to that but you get to a point towards the end and it just suddenly felt like you weren't quite able to match up with uh, some enemies in terms of like movement or strength but uh, other than that, though, I I really enjoyed Elden Ring quite a bit. I, you know, I kind of just went into this game uh, trying to know as little as possible, and I walked away, um, you know, getting 180 hours or so out of my uh, time with it for my first run. Um, I had the ending where I basically burned the entire world down, which uh, all hail the Lord of Chaos, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really got a good kick out of this game, and um, for this being like sort of the new take on. Um, Souls-based gameplay from uh, Miyazaki and his team. I thought they did a really good job. Uh, again, there's some things that I'm just I didn't think were quite as well of a transition as some other stuff. But for the most part, like I would say, a good 90% of the game, um, very, very well paced, very even, good way of like kind of showcasing, you know, two players without like slapping it in their face. Like, okay, here's what you should try and do. Here's some suggestions. And then that's the last part's just kind of like they really pull the kids' gloves off and are like, okay, well, you've, you've played long enough. Time to die. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I don't know if there's many, like any of you guys play any of these um, FromSoft games, but I would definitely recommend Elden Ring if you're looking for uh, a game to play with friends or like a new kind of solo uh, action-based kind of RPG to play. And if you like a kind of dark fantasy, it's a beautiful game. Sorry, what was that? It, it run. It's a, it's a beautiful game, and it runs great on Steam Deck. So if I would, you know, if you want to play it on a handheld and you've got a Steam Deck, there you go. Boom. What'd you say, Planty? Oh, I had to laugh at your. Um, you know, it's well paced through the ninety hours, whatever. Um, I can't remember what game it was, but I saw some comment on a Discord today. They're talking about new JRPGs, and someone's like, "Oh man, this game's just got the pacing down." Blah 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 blah. Loving it. I'm about an hour in. I was like, "How the hell do you know the pacing's down after an hour?" Yeah. <laughs> you can't know that in an hour. What the hell? <laughs> I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Unless this is a two-hour game. Oh boy. Well, what kind of comment is that? Jeez. Not in an RPG, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> God, what All was right. it like Final Fantasy 13 where they said like, oh, you just got to get 13 hours into it and then it starts becoming good. I was like, oh, my God. OK. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the longest I ever waited for something was the, uh, where's the book? The the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? That was yeah. one that somebody told me, you got to get 100 pages into that. And my God, were they right? Like... <laughs> I, I struggled for 100 pages, and then I didn't go to bed one night. I slept straight. I, I read that book straight through in two sittings, oh, wow. basically. Did you read that so, whole series? I ended up reading the whole I series did. of that one. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yep. Wow. yep. It, it was funny because I started it a couple days before Thanksgiving many years ago, and I did. I was out somewhere proctoring an exam, so I got, you know, I sitting there for two hours so what else am i gonna do read a book i didn't care if they cheated or not um but then uh two nights later it was thanksgiving had thanksgiving dinner it's eight o'clock everybody's like oh we're gonna go to bed early because this is like 2005 we're gonna you know go wait at best buy at four in the morning and i was still reading the book when they all woke up to go out to shop on black friday someone's like hey you coming i was like are you kidding me the second you guys leave i'm going to bed finally been a damn good book (laughs) but it's this is not a this is not East European book hour um, <laughs> <laughs> of 2005. And although maybe this game is here, Pendy, um, we've got we got an oldie but a goodie here for your last one that you wanted to talk about. And it's got a little bit of a story behind it and a little bit of different control system, system, whatever. That's it's not on the switch. True. This is true. Everything old is new again with my next one. So my final game is somewhat cheating, as you'll hear later on, but it is the the one-up arcade Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So one-up arcade is a company that makes affordable classic arcade machines with a twist. And I just found out that they're about to celebrate their 10th anniversary as a company. I didn't realize they'd been around that long. Oftentimes, their machines will start out new for about $500 to $600. And which is great because a quick look on eBay tonight showed me that a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 classic arcade machine in excellent condition goes for $4,700. Whoa! Marvel vs. Capcom 1, uh, about $2,400 in excellent condition. So a little pricey as I've seen over the years. So 1UP Arcade finally made it affordable for me to buy these arcade machines because I've always wanted wanted to have like Marvel's Capcom 1 or 2 or Street Fighter vs. X-Men, one of those. It's been like a dream of mine. And, and, you know, plus they aren't as big or heavy as the originals. And as long as, you know, 1UP Arcade is in business, I have tech support that can can help me out if need be because I am not going to be able to fix these things on my own. I'll tell you that much. Mm. So the twist that I referenced before is that they actually have online play with the machines uh, that they have. And the machines often come with multiple games. So this arcade setup comes with Marvel vs. Capcom 2, Marvel vs. Capcom 1, Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Super Heroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse, and Marvel Super Heroes War of the Gems. And here's my individual review of all of these games. No. Uh, All right, let me just hit the mute button. Uh, Call me, just buzz me when you're ready. Now, except for the last two adventure games, all the fighting games except for Marvel vs. Capcom 2 have online play. That's something that they're going to have with a future patch of the game. They just don't have it online yet, but they will in the the near future. And, uh, you know, I initially bought... Marvel vs. Capcom won the arcade cabinet a couple years ago, and even though the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 machine has everything and more that the M vs. C1 machine has, I'm going to keep it because they look fantastic next to each other where they're different style cabinets and the light-up marquees at the top. I like how they look standing next to each other, so even though one is kind of redundant compared to the other one, I like how they look, so I'll keep them both. So nice. the M vs. C2 machine has some fantastic updates the other older machine doesn't have. So, for example, all the games in the newer machine have advanced settings 
such as uh, fooling around with the difficulty setting, damage level, timer speed, game speed, and even the ability to have traditional scan lines if you want, like you'd see in the, the older arcade games, ar arcade machines. And, you know, one of the only features I don't like is that the point totals reset when you turn off the machine. So, you know, all these games, you can try and get the high score and things like that, build up your score as you're fighting people and whatever. But as soon as you turn off your machine, just bang, it just blanks. They don't save mm -hmm. anywhere. The game only saves your online profile and your ranking based off your win-loss record when you play people online. And online play has been great. You know, some games are more busy than others, but I haven't had trouble finding any opponents when I'm playing Marvel vs. Capcom 1 which I think has the more balanced roster of most of the Versus games when it comes to playing other people. Uh, the variety in people's level of play that I've seen has been great too. I've fought everyone from experts to noobs to everything in between. So it's been a lot of fun. I can just come back from work, slap it on, you know, find people in, in the lobby and play to my heart's content if I want to play other people. The machine setups themselves are pretty good. Uh, they are very, like, you know, rectangular so it's very easy to fit them both side by side in my apartment of the two machines that i have uh, the original arcade machines if you remember if you played those back in the day they took up a lot more space and the marvel vs capcom 2 one-up arcade machine even has like these fake quarter slots in the front which is very amusing because obviously these don't take quarters or anything like that but it was nice that they added that little detail to it uh, i only wish that the m vs c2 machines joystick layout was you know, the same as the M versus C1 machine. The M versus C2 machine has these two, like, kind of little strips on the edges that protrude a little bit. So if I'm not careful, it can hit my wrist as I'm playing, as opposed to the M versus C1 machine that has its joysticks and buttons on a completely flat surface. So I don't have to worry about that at all. But so if you love these old versus games and you don't want to blow out your life savings on the original machines, these one-up arcades are the best. And playing online adds another dimension of fun to it as well. You know, these machines are just marvelous, baby. Marvelous. I love them. Nice. So uh, can they be modded? You know what? I haven't looked that up to see if you can. Because a lot of people, I know, like, with those little, like, uh, NES minis and the, the Sega yeah, minis and stuff exactly like that, what I'm thinking. Yep. people will do that. And I bet if I were to look it up, I'm sure there's a way that they can. But since it's... Maybe because it's it, it's you know made by an active company that if they were to somehow see that or find that out that it might void mm. at the very least it might void the warranty or something so that might make it more complicated if you ever want to get get it fixed or return it or whatever but I don't know I'm not I'm not sure if you can do that but that would be interesting because you know lots of people like Woodis you know he has these arcade these uh, homemade arcade machines where he just throws like hundreds of games on them uh, I was there and playing one this summer yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what exactly what made me think about it. <laughs> but usually, like the and so like pretty much the big difference between one of those homemade machines and these is the fact that you can play people online, and mm -hmm. the fact that you'd have like tech support. Because I, oh I, yeah, you know, unlike people like Woodis, I have no tech skills whatsoever. If this thing broke down, I'd be like, oh, I don't have no idea. <laughs> I, I completely feel you on that. Like every time I've modded a system or something, I'm like, shit, this better just work from here on out because if there is a problem, I will not know how to go back and fix it without the 87-step guide following one at a time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. For someone so, who's not technically inclined, these are great. How solid does the machine feel? Oh, very solid. Like, it's not, I don't have any problems whatsoever with, like, it rocking back and forth or anything like that when I'm playing playing on the game uh, machine. So that's been good. All right. All how, right. how big is it? It's, uh, in terms of how tall it is, it's a, it's going to be the regular height that you would expect from, like, one of the originals. So you're looking at the same place. You're not crouching down or anything like that. And really? I, okay. I also bought... 
like two uh, like custom, not custom, but they, they sell like these gaming stools too, and they have like little Marvelous Capcom designs on them. So I bought one came with Marvelous Capcom one in the box, and one I, I bought separately. And you can sit down on the stool, and you're looking right at the game, and you're fine, or you can do it standing. And it's just like you're playing the original machine. It's just skinnier than like the original machines are because the original machines, the joystick area, like it'd be really wide, uh, but not with these. These are a little bit skinnier. And how much was it again? I'm sorry. Uh, to when they first came out, I think one was like 500, and two, yeah. I want to say, was like five or six. And if you wait around a bunch, they sell them at Target, Walmart, places like that. Um, yeah. Like you can find a bunch of them now for like 200, 300 dollars, and they go on sale all the time. So yeah, I sell one an arcade machine. It's an ongoing conversation. I'm having with my wife. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's great. Like most of these, they don't take. Like I said, they don't take up a lot of space. So I kind of have them wedged next to each other, next to one of my uh, shelves where I have a bunch of anime on them, and they fit perfectly. Nice. Sounds good. You know, it, it was a good story hearing your uh, story of this during the uh, holiday season here. Um, but I think we it's time for a different story in a different season, or maybe all the seasons. Austin, you want to? Talk about uh, stories of seasons. Yeah, I've got some seasonal stories. Nice. So, yeah, um, the other game I played this year, because I really didn't play a lot of different games this year. I only played a few, was uh, Dorymon Story of Seasons. It's um, This is the same franchise as the first game I talked about tonight, Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo. Uh, but this is a crossover with the... Very popular in Japan, anime and manga series, Dorymon, which stars a robot cat from the 24th century, I think. Uh, it's very, like, silly gag manga. Uh, it's hard to find anything of it in English. But, yeah, uh, so this game is, it features characters from the, the anime manga series, and they're whisked away to a a completely different world than from where they're from and instead of worrying about getting back home they just decide to farm for like three years uh, as, as one would yeah exactly um it, it this game came out in 2019 and i just got to it this year and i i decided to start a new tradition where i would always have a, a one of these games going and i would play at least one in-game day Every single day. So I started it. I actually started it last November and I finally completed it about two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I was, I think that's about, so there are four months per in game year. So it, about every four months, I would finish a year in the game. Um, okay. But yeah. So this, it, it, first of all, it's a great game. I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it. It does have problems. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about the good things first. It's it's definitely more of like a classic return to the old formula of of uh, Harvest Moon Story of Seasons. Um, it it felt like Harvest Moon '64 and uh, A Wonderful Life. Like it felt like I was playing those games. All of the characters were really charming. And part of that was because they were from a you know a critically acclaimed manga series, but even the original characters were pretty well written and you know fun to, to talk to and get to know. And the world design was great. The art style was beautiful. Um, the music is great. All this, all those like uh, what I call the superficial things because they they not they don't have anything to do with the gameplay or the mechanics, but they they still very much matter. The atmosphere of the game, all of those were great. The mechanics for the most part were what you would expect. They were you know it's, it's a good farming. game. 
game. Farming is is definitely farming and animal care. This game uh, did pretty well. Uh, it, it never felt like a grind to plant things. Uh, um, quality of life development has come very far since the Super Nintendo days. Uh, obviously, uh, it was not a pain to take care of my animals. Uh, even though I don't think time I don't think time freezes indoors in this game, but that was never an issue. I, I never felt like I. I didn't have enough time to do things. Um, it took me about uh, uh, over a hundred hours to finish the game, and and I didn't do ev- absolutely everything. There was um, or a few machines I didn't finish. I got all the house upgrades, all the barn and coop upgrades. I got all that stuff. Upgraded all my tools. I didn't I didn't max out the relationships with everybody, just with a few characters. But um, I did enough to get to see a lot of cutscenes for a lot of the characters because each character has their own story and you have to give them gifts every day if you want to unlock their story uh I, I didn't finish all of those so i guess i guess i can't say that i truly finished the game but i finished the main story and saw the ending cutscene for that because there is like a main story that that does involve you getting back to your you know back to earth uh there's a main story there which i guess is um different from the old the old formula of harvest moon games mm-hmm. um because there were like clues and things you had to uncover along the way to sort of figure out some stuff that was going on um but for the most part it was a very very enjoyable game um I, I would I would I would recommend it. I would recommend it. I want to recommend it. But the problem is if if you're a stickler for seeing all of the cutscenes in this game, if you're a stickler for like in these types of games, I mean, if you if you really want to if you don't like skipping cutscenes, then you're gonna have a problem for the first hour of gameplay. Because <laughs> the first see? hour of gameplay <laughs> the first hour of gameplay involves no gameplay. Uh, the the introductory introductory cutscenes literally go on for forty five minutes. I counted. Uh, and it's it's literally just you're pressing the A button and reading text. Um, and it's it, it's not just tutorial stuff. It's not just like the stuff that you think you can skip. Like here Here's how you plant seeds. Now they they take you around and introduce you to all the townspeople. So if that's something you don't want to miss because it's technically story and uh, you know it'll be sort of jarring uh, jumping into the game and meeting these characters after you've already sort of seen some of them, uh, it, it's a problem because you have to just sit down for an hour pretty much and and you know steal your your resolve to to not play this game until it lets you uh that is that is the biggest problem which when i look at my time with the game it does feel kind of petty for me to make it that much of an issue because it's 45 minutes out of an 130 hours i'm seeing now on steam 130 hours of gameplay but those first 45 minutes are probably i mean that's like the most important time that a game has to get you into you know hooked uh, and you know, when you first start up the game, you're not thinking about the potential, however many, however much long you're going to play it. You know, all the content that's got in there. You just want to get started. I'm very much that way. I don't, I don't like opening cutscenes that go on for too long. I want to get into it. Uh, if it's an, if it's at least something like if it's something new, rather. Uh, I want to clarify because Dragon Quest VII does start out without, without very much <laughs> gameplay. <laughs> no. <laughs> And I, and that never bothered me. That never bothered me. This is different though, because it's not. It's not. You don't really get to walk from person to person and talk to them. It's just pressing the A button for forty five minutes. And see, I got this game. I got a code for this game for free. Um, as I've said many times, I worked 
write for RP Gamer, and every now and then we'll have somebody who reviews a game, and then we just kind of got because they bought it, it's one of their favorite things, and then we've just got codes sitting around. So every couple of months, the editor will be like, ah, you know what? We had these codes that we never used for games because somebody already bought the game, played it themselves, reviewed it. So we don't need to use the code. Anybody up for this? And I think it might have been right at the same time, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions came out on Switch. And I was like, oh, I'll I'll take those two if nobody's speaking up for them. And absolutely love Tokyo Mirage Sessions, played through it. It was amazing. Um, and then this one, i that's where I got to. I was like, can I save this game? How fast can I get to a save point or something? And I played about an hour, and I was like, you know what? I don't know who Doraemon is. I have got no <laughs> connection to that, and I'll just do something else. I just never went back to it. I feel bad that I took the code, but nobody else was jumping on it for days anyway. So I was like, oh, I'll take both of them. <laughs> I was going to say, wasn't yeah, this a I mean, game that you played and that you just it didn't click with you planning? Yeah, one hour. That I made it one hour. <laughs> Maybe an hour and a half. I don't even know if I planned anything. I probably did, but... I mean, it's it's demoralizing. Like, uh, <laughs> you you do think, like, oh, surely surely the game's about to start. And mm-hmm. you keep thinking that, and it doesn't. I don't want to rag on the game too long for that, because... No, no. If, if I was it in it for a, a good farm game. simulator... <laughs> At the time, I probably would have stuck with it. Or if I knew about Doraemon, well, I would have stuck with it. But that, it was like, I wasn't feeling the farming right then. And I wasn't getting to farming anyway. So I was like, ah, right now, neither one of these parts seems what's hooking me. So yeah. I mean, they're on my Switch one day. Though, <laughs> if, I'm being, if I'm being objective, though, if, if you're looking for a farm simulator, there are plenty of other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Stardew Valley. Heck, there are other Story of Seasons games. That aren't that don't take forty five minutes to get into. Yeah, but they don't uh, but have time traveling robot cats. That yeah, that's a that's a thing. If if you're a Dorymon <laughs> fan, which I can't imagine there are very many American Dorymon fans out there, but if you're a hardcore Dorymon fan who loves Dorymon games, um, then yeah, maybe you want to sit forty five minutes through it, and maybe that won't bother you. <laughs> um, here's the thing, though, they didn't learn their lesson for the sequel that just came out. I, I was just about oh. to say, I was gonna gonna say the sequel, sequel just came you know out. About that? Yep. Yeah. They did not learn. I thought surely they wouldn't do it again. Uh, so I, I bought it like a sucker. I bought it. Uh, <laughs> and it has co-op, though. It has co-op. Told so the one. player two can be Dorymon. So nice. that was that was what got me. That's what made me pay the money because I wanted to play with my son. So we sat down to play it and I thought, well, surely they're not going to do this to me again. Gosh darn it. They did it to me again. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't I didn't sit through it all this time. Because obviously fault. I had a four year old. I had a four year old next to me who was not going to put up with that many cutscenes. So I just I skipped through all of it. And uh, we we started playing and farming and then later that night I, there's a cutscene viewer in both of the games by the way so if you want to do this in the first game just skip everything and then maybe piecemeal go back and watch some of it you know maybe before you stop playing for the night or something go watch one of the one of the open cutscenes and just catch up that way maybe uh you can do that that's how i did it with uh, the save file i started with my son on the second game mm-hmm. but yeah so the other big con, uh, there's not a lot of negatives with this game. That's the biggest one. Uh, the other one is that the that mining sucks. It really does, and that's <laughs> that's been a problem with like Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town. Uh, it's just it's not interesting to do. You're just hitting 
patches of dirt over and over again, and there's no progress saved. So when you make it to the bottom of the mines or whatever level you make it to, which there's only 10 levels, but you make it to the bottom and then you want to come back the next day, you have to start from the beginning. And some materials you need are only on floor seven or four or five or whatever. And you have to just keep hitting random spots to find the way down. And honestly, the only real efficient way to do it is to save scum. So you go into the mine, you you save the game, you dig until you find the hole down, you reload and go directly to that spot and then do the exact same thing for the next floor until you get down to whatever floor you need to be on. And especially if you're working on building upgrades that require a lot of a certain material, you're doing that a lot. And that's that eats that's where a lot of my playtime came from for a little bit there. Uh, that is it's not fun. It's grindy. Uh, you, th- you think that by now, uh, Marvelous slash Exceed, the developer of this game, would have learned uh, from like Stardew Valley or, you know, their own game, Rune Factory, which, you know, does mining much better. Both of those games do mining much better. Uh, but, you know, f- I don't know. Maybe that's just that's just how they want to do it for story of seasons, and I suppose that's fine. Uh, it's just it's not it's not it's not for me, man. It artificially inflates the playtime, and it's not fun. But the farming is great. the The characters are great. You know, if you like everything else about story of seasons other than the mining, uh, you'll you'll definitely find something here to enjoy. It, it's it's a classic Pokemon game. Uh, I feel bad that I've, I've talked about the negatives more than the positives but it's just that the positives are are what you would what you would hope to see from a game like this and it does them well that i don't feel like there's a lot that i can really say about it other than they're very good you know i i give all my praise for the for the positive traits of these of this game but um and i don't feel that the negatives take away from it too much i don't i don't feel like they drag it down to the point where you shouldn't play it. Um, it's just that opening cutscene, man. It's that's asking a lot of people. It really is. You just gotta get through that Kojima type beginning. Yeah. Now, I don't blame anyone for dropping it. Like after that, I, I don't. But I, I, I do wish people would give it a chance. Metal Gear Doraemon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it sounds like a good game that uh, you could just live your life there for three years in the story of seasons um you know uh, yeah. but if you if you don't want to live a life like that <laughs> may, maybe you could live us up in some other way huh Yangus? Oh, okay well he, his transition game is narrowly on on tap ladies and gentlemen oh, yeah. <laughs> all right oh yeah let me talk about uh my game uh, my last game and it was my favorite game of 2022. Uh, it was uh, Live Alive, uh, the remake that just came out in uh, late July of this year. Um, this was one that originally released back on the Super Famicom back in, I believe, 1994. And it was um, a bit of a sleeper hit kind of game. It didn't sell very well. Well, at least to Square Enix standards, it didn't sell very well. But it reviewed very well. And, um, you know, like 27 years later, uh, they decided... Or, God, sorry, I don't know why my microphone keeps doing that. But, um, uh, you know, however many years later, it was like after the 25th anniversary of the game, uh, they had a surprise announcement that, what was it, in February of this year, that the game was going to be getting a full remake uh, via the HD 2D style. And it really, you know, caught a lot of people by surprise, um, myself included. Um, Live Alive is a turn-based RPG. kind of uses a combination of a bit of a grid-based combat, uh, a little bit like... 
um, the Trails of series and a little bit of like Grandia where you have the little bar that'll charge up depending on what the character's using when it hits full then you know they can take their turn or that'll be able to use their skill then once it fully charges up but this is a game that takes place across uh, various points in history uh, you have seven initial chapters uh, an eighth chapter that you unlock once you beat those and a final chapter where we get to see uh, the different heroes uh, join forces um I suppose that's a little bit of a spoiler, but they've shown that off in every trailer for the remake, so it's not really much of a spoiler at this point now. I won't say how it happens, but um, it's pretty cool, though. Um, so with this game, you take it takes place across different time periods, like I said. Uh, you choose uh, what chapters you want to do in whatever order you want to do them. Uh, you have the prehistoric era, uh, the twilight of Edo Japan, Imperial China, uh, the Wild West, um, modern day, uh, the near future, which is based on a lot of uh, 80s slash 90s um, cyberpunk-esque uh, anime of the um, from the 80s and 90s. Uh, they were supposed to be like in the future, kind of like uh, Akira, if you know about that, know about that manga slash movie. And there's the distant future, where you play as a little robot. Uh, each chapter has you taking charge of a different protagonist. Uh, each of them having their own sort of unique ability in combat or out in the field. Uh, for instance, in the prehistoric period, uh, you play as Pogo, who is living in a time where no words are um, used to communicate. Uh, with others, but Pogo is able to use his other senses in order to track down monsters uh, using smell. Uh, he's trying to help protect uh, this uh, young woman who's appeared in his life and who's um, planning to be sacrificed by the um, rival tribe. Uh, you have um, the Sundown Kid from the Wild West chapter where his goal in his chapter is to find and place traps uh, throughout this uh, little town out in the, out in the front, great frontier of the, of the Old West uh, to help save the town from an oncoming attack by... Um, this gang called the Crazy Bunch. And then you have uh, one of my personal favorite chapters, uh, the, the Distant Future chapter, where you play as a little robot named Cube, who uh, is one of the is uh, the only chapter that does not have any um, battles of any kind except for the final fight uh, at the very end of the chapter, and is mainly a character-driven slash uh, dialogue-focused chapter where the little robot sees what plays out and what happens on uh, this ship that's uh, on its way back to Earth with this uh, mysterious cargo that you eventually uh, discover what it is. Um, this is a game that I actually replayed immediately after beating it for the first time, uh, which I really do not even do with a lot of games that I play. Um, you know, playing through the game uh, was actually one of the times, one of the few times too, where I actually did take a week off of work uh, to play through it. I I normally do not do that, but this is a remake and and a video game that I was just really excited for, and I was like, you know what, I got the vacation time, I'm gonna do that, so that's what I did. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed this game at so many levels. I thought it had some really good music, characters, you know, everything was really well done. Uh, I especially liked how with the game that uh, there was, it was real, sh it was a short RPG. Now this does come from the Super Nintendo era, so you know, it's not something that's going to take you an incredibly long time. Uh, it took me about mm, roughly 25 hours, I think, to beat the game uh, fully. But I really enjoyed that shortness of it, too, because uh, each individual chapter, you know, felt about just the right length, but not overstaying its welcome. Um, there were chapters, too, where, like, I, was, I thought to myself, oh, I could try this you know, next time I play this, or oh, I can see, you know, see what this does, and it was, it was fun having that sort of experience with uh, a video game, where you kind of get that thought of, oh, what if I tried this, or oh, what if I did that, especially with an RPG, and, you know, it felt, personally to me, it felt refreshing to play a brand new RPG release, that didn't take like 80 plus hours to beat, it was good to, it was sort of like with Voice of Cards, it was nice to play something that it was, you know, 20, 25 hours, 30 hours, whatever the case, 
and you felt like you had a good experience, like a good full experience from start to finish. And, um, you know, like I said before, I thought uh, it was really cool how this game has a really um, good replay uh, kind of value to it, thanks to how, you know, events in each chapter play out. So, um, you know, going back to the Wild West chapter, for instance, uh, you can make the final confrontation at the end of the chapter, you know, easier or harder for yourself, uh, depending on how you set up traps in the town. Um, if you play the um, the uh, Twilight at Meadow Japan chapter, uh, you can go for more of a pacifist run where you don't try and kill any of the uh, guards or anything. Or, you know, if you just want to go, you know, full on, I, we got to get through these guys, we got to come down. You know, you can do that. And there are uh, things that change in chapters depending on your actions, which I think is really cool. Because then it kind of encourages you with how short they are too to go back and you know, try some new stuff and you can get different rewards depending on what you do. So I thought that was really cool because like even, you know, back when this game came out originally in 1994, you know, that would have been some like new ideas, and new stuff to it. Um, but uh, I don't want to spoil too much of the game uh, because I do think this is one that's, you know, with its length, it's um, one that's better to experience for yourself because you can get a lot out of it. And, you know, I think it's just more fun to discover the game yourself that way rather than you know having somebody tell you about it. But uh, I will say that the remake announcement for this really caught me by surprise when they had this back in the uh, February Nintendo Direct. And this is probably uh, some of the most excited I felt for uh, a brand new game for a good long while, too. Uh, it was really uh, worth playing uh, from start to finish and getting it through, getting it done in that week that I took off. I didn't rush through the game, but... Um, you know, I tried to take my time with it, and I really, I, I had a lot of fun with it. This was probably one of my favorite RPG experiences that I've had uh, in, a, in a good long while for um, a Square Enix RPG. That was like something that I had never experienced before, and uh, this is definitely one that I would recommend if you either grew up playing uh, Squaresoft RPGs, you know, back on the Super Nintendo, or if you're someone who appreciates games uh, of this era of gaming. And um, what I thought was cool when, you know, looking up, this game. Um, so for the longest time, there was a fan translation that was out for uh, the original Super Famicom release. Um, I didn't know this until recently, but um, a lot of the uh, development team of that original uh, Super Famicom version uh, knew about the fan translation, and that's actually part of what influenced them, as well as um, games like Octopath Traveler and some of these other uh, games that sort of did the style of, like, you have different protagonists with different stories. Uh, it sort of encouraged them to then do this full remake, and there's actually a really cool little message at the very end of the credits that, you know, thanks all these uh, fans, both old and new, which I thought was, you know, really kind of sweet, too, to see that, and that the, you know, the devs are really thankful for all the fans, you know, you know across the world, and those who are old fans who, you know, played the original, uh, those who are newer fans with this remake, or, you know, those who played the fan translation. Uh, they didn't reference the fan translation by name, but, you know, it was still it was still pretty cool. And, um, yeah, I got a lot of praise for this game, but, again, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, I wholeheartedly recommend this game, and I absolutely loved my time with it. And I'm definitely looking forward to playing it again in the future. Definitely, definitely recommend Big Big two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Yeah, this is one. I, I know when they made the announcement, I went and I played the fan translation. Um, I got almost all the way through just the uh, caveman one. I got pretty far. I thought that was pretty clever how it was done without without text. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty interesting. And then, yeah, once I saw how nice it looked, I was like, you know, it's something I'll get on Switch one day. One day in the far future when I maybe get caught up to other games. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I have to, I have to say with um 
the Switch release as well. Um, you know, we're all Dragon Quest fans, and we're all looking forward to um, the HD 2D remake of uh, Dragon Quest 3 whenever that eventually comes around. And um, I will say that with the the Middle Ages chapter of the game, um, you know, if this if that's our preview for what Dragon Quest uh, 3 HD 2D is going to look like, uh, I can tell you guys we're, we're in good hands. It's going to look, you know, amazing because I was really blown away by how uh, the Middle Ages chapter looked. And it just instantly made me think, wow, this might be what, you know, the full game for Dragon Quest uh, 3's remake is going to look like. So that it's pretty exciting. It's cool to hear like that. Nice. But yeah, uh, I don't have too much else to say about that one. But, you know, do you guys have any thoughts or anything or anything you want to say about it? Or well, I guess glad you said something, but anything else? No. Uh, we, we can almost get ready to wrap this up here. Uh, any of you three have any honorable mentions you wanted to give a shout out to for a minute or two? Mine's just a quick one. Uh, when my wife was visiting, because she still lives in South Korea while we're trying to figure out visa stuff, uh, she downloaded that uh, Fall, Ga- Fall Guys game. And that was a fun little diversion. Basically, you're out uh, going through, you have your little character and you're going through an obstacle course and you're playing with like, I don't know, like a hundred other people and you're all going towards the end and only so many of you are going to make it depending on how well you do. And then it keeps cutting people in half and you keep going to each new level and it's until it's like basically like five people left and whoever wins at the end wins the game. But it was, it was a fun little game. I liked it. My wife really liked it and I tried it out myself and it was fun. It's called Fa- Fall Guys? Yeah, Fall yep. Guys. Yeah, just Fall oh. Guys. Yep. Not, and hey, uh, you my, know what? Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, my kids are addicted to some app on the iPad called Stumble Guys right now. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, well, is this the same one? Probably not at all. It's not quite Fall Guys, but it's <laughs> actually it might be a bit of a ripoff one. Who knows? Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> one of those Chinese ripoff games. Because <laughs> <laughs> Fall yeah, Guys but, was really popular. It was, yeah. It still gets a lot of updates, too. But, um, you know, speaking of uh, courses... As uh, Penny mentioned, ah. I um, one, the one thing that I wanted to give an honorable mention shout out to was Cuphead, the delicious last course content. Uh-huh. You're not the only master of segues, Platty. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this was more of a DLC for um, Cuphead, which originally came out like 2017, 2018. Um, but this is the DLC that they've been working on for a, a good long while. And it finally came out this year. And honestly, it was really well worth the wait. Um, Delicious Flash Course uh, is a brand new island that you go to. Um, it's just part of the Inkwell Isles. It's really far off from the other ones. Uh, you meet um, Chef Saltbaker. And with his help, uh, you can actually now play as uh, Miss Chalice, who is a character from uh, the main game who gave uh, Cuphead and Mugman their uh, basically like their super moves from like Street Fighter or something where like they use all their meter and just they show off like a big laser. They can go invincible for a little bit. Uh, now you can play as her, and she has her own moveset and abilities. Uh, you have brand new bosses to fight, a lot of really good new music. Um, it adds a lot of uh, really cool content and some uh, new power-ups to the game as well. And it's very well worth picking up. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, playing it, I finally went back and uh, 100% of the entire game. So, what was that? I got like S rank on all the bosses. I end up getting uh, got all the achievements for both the main game and the DLC. And it, it was it was fun finally, you know, doing all that and getting it done and, you know, really having a blast with this DLC. It was it was <clears throat> excuse me. It was uh, very well worth the wait. And I, I would have put it on my um, my list for my top three since I really did get a kick out of it. But since it was a, a DLC expansion, I thought that kind of be cheating. So I, I but I did want to give it at least a shout out because it was it was a lot of fun. Do you have any ost? Yeah. Does does a ROM hack count? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Hell yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Super Mario 64, uh, the split screen version. 
there you go. Yeah, my son and I have been playing that, and that's a lot more fun than just playing it by myself. I was never it, a huge fan of 64, but like I've been enjoying it more lately. Okay. Is it that, um, oh, I know there's a, a lot of mods out there. Is it the one where it like gives the game sort of like an HD graphic sort of look where like um, Mario has like um, a 3D model based on his rendered art from that era? Is it that mm-hmm. one? No, um, I know what you're talking about though. No, this is this is straight up just split screen uh, into the right, like it's a split screen version of the original Mario 64, same graphics and everything. Oh, okay, uh, now, all right. Now, now you can use an emulator to like upscale that and everything, but uh, now it, it adds the second player's Luigi. Um, oh, cool. Okay. Yep. Uh, it's developed by Kaze. I don't know how to say his name. He's done a lot of Mario 64. Oh, um, yeah. Stuff. You know. I don't know how to say his name either, but I do. But here in uh, Kazo or yeah, Kazo Kaiser, whichever one it is. Uh, yeah, no, I know who you're talking about. He's he's done a lot of really cool uh, Super Mario 64 ROM hacks. Yeah, but, yeah, that's awesome though. That's fun that you were. I guess when you were playing with your your son or your wife or my son, yeah, your son. Yeah, because I mean, we bought 3D All Stars for Switch a couple years ago, and he's played that and he enjoyed it. So then I got the idea to look up the ROM hack. So I have bought the game legally, paid for the money, paid, mm-hmm. paid money for it. All right, well, there you go. FBI is well, going to get you. I say that's much better than my uh, <laughs> Waluigi RPG hack that I tried multiple, multiple times this year. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you just need Waluigi. to you need to just look up the Super Mario RPG hack where you just play as Luigi, and that's like the only change. Uh, let me tell you, there is a yes, there is there is a hack like that that is under active development. They're up to like version 3.0 or something like that. They've they've done a lot of work on that one, um, and recently too. Like I, I I think I'd heard almost two or three different podcasts about it while I was a. Uh, driving 10,000 miles across country this year. And I'm like, you know, that's a game I've always wanted to try because so many people are like, oh, this is like one of the best RPGs ever. Um, But, you know, as I've said many times on this podcast, fuck Mario. Um, So (laughs) I was like, you know, if I could maybe play as somebody different, maybe I would, you know. Makes me laugh every time he says that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I found a Waluigi RPG um thing that had just been done this summer by a guy and so i downloaded it and i gave it a try and i couldn't even get to the first bowser battle like i was dying i'm like what the hell is this and i'm like why why aren't any of the timed like responses working like this is supposed to have time responses right and i'm hitting it and nothing's Mm -hmm. working i'm dying before i even get to the first bowser which is supposed to be like tutorial level shit yep um so i left a comment i'm like damn this game's hard whatever and uh i was like well forget that I come back like five or six days later and I see there's like one or two other comments on the ROM hacking website of this on it. And they're all like, holy shit, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And then I go and like start reading the guy's development notes. And yes, he wanted to make this the most freaking ridiculously hard thing ever. I think the the timing was cut down in a quarter. You only had a quarter as many frames to hit the buttons and all the enemy stats were raised and blah, 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 blah. And then it directed for like more information, go to this guy's blog. So I go to the blog and this is where it like just goes fucking off the walls. The guy's got all these blog posts where he's like, you know, I'm an extraterrestrial. I was not born on Earth. I was not born a human. <laughs> and it just... Oh, I mean, it's, and it's dead serious, too. Because, like, one of the po- blog posts from August or something is like, you know, I was walking outside with my son the other day, late at night, and we saw a UFO. And I'm like, oh, my God. 
did they finally come back for me? I've never actually seen a UFO <laughs> before tonight. And I just kept thinking at some point they're going to come back for me. I've just been left here for so long. And I'm like, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I thought you were just I thought he was just going to like brag about like how difficult he made the game and just be sitting there going like. Uh, he's got he's got development notes galore. And then it was just like That's a great. blog on the website, oh too. God. And I'm reading this and I'm like, this ain't a joke. This is like this person's dead serious about this and it, <laughs> it comes up every few posts <laughs> oh man so i yeah, think I it's rem- up to like version 1.4 or 1.5 now and it got like a positive review and then that person changed it to a negative i haven't looked it up at rom hacking in a while but i had somebody else that kept looking at it with me and we'd message each other like every two weeks like oh you see what this fucker did to the game right now uh, i think he at one point he might have made it somewhat easier but he did he's like oh, the whole point of this game despite reviews is to make it harder so i'm not gonna do that he added like two frames of animation to the eight or whatever that you could hit I, it, it was i'm like nope i'm not going back to that which is then what led me to the super luigi one so yeah i, I think i think you're right i do need to give that a try in our yeah year. <laughs> yeah i think you do i think you'll have a, a much better time because yeah, you know the funny thing was when platy messaged me about this because i think it's right when the time you started this you had messaged me and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. cool. He's going to you know, check out Super Mario RPG. Awesome, great. Well, then Platy messaged me and was like, oh my God, <laughs> fuck this game. It's way too difficult. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to, like, thinking like this because he, he explained where he was at. I'm like, that's just the tutorial. What mod are you playing? Because <laughs> I was really like kind of taken aback. Like it was that difficult. I'm like, okay, Platy has played many RPGs. So I really don't think the big, unless this game was like ramped up like crazy. Well then sure enough, that's when Platy told me then about all the stuff that he found a few days later with like, <laughs> you know, like the crazy blog posts and like how there's like only a small frame of time to put the button. And it's like, well, there you go. You got crazy alien man just trying to make it difficult for the sake of it. It's no wonder it was kicking your ass so bad. Yeah. Oh, so, man. yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Yankees, you and I were talking recently, too, about, like, it'd be great to play some of these old role-playing games with some quality of life. Like, oh, yeah. gosh, what was that one I played for our 16-bit one? I played some um, Magic or oh, Magical Girl Ray Earth or something like that. Um, yes. Yes, you played and, that one. And you know what? I played that because I was just bumming around on ROM hacking through all like looking up the Waluigi RPG stuff. And I found it. It was like on their front page because that had just be come out. Well, come to find out this was like a translation from 95. But the one I played had double experience and double gold while having the number of random encounters. Mm-hmm. So you you were you weren't over leveled at any point. You were the appropriate level because you were only getting into half as many battles. But the experience in the gold went up. So I was like, wow, that's really that's a way to speed up the game mm-hmm. without just breaking the game. I'm like that, that. That was a clever little way to twist it. And I had fun for, you know, seven, eight, nine hours on that game. Yeah. Um, ancient game. But it was a fun little thing because I got through it. OK, it didn't feel like, oh, my God, this is an 18 hour slog with mm-hmm. a freaking battle every five steps. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we got talking about that uh, again because of um, what is it? I got the which is I guess another kind of honorable mention, but um, the Sega Genesis Mini Two uh, came out uh, late last month and uh, fi- you know finally showed up in the mail at my place and was playing that and I uh, turned on uh, Fantasy Star Two and actually they included an easy mode where uh, basically it doubles how much EXP and uh, gold you can get from uh, encounters. Uh, you can move a lot faster now in the overworld if you want to. And, you know, kind of talking about that, so that's where we kind of got the ball rolling and we're talking like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if more Order RPGs, you know, had that as an option to kind of 
speed things up for players. Because mm-hmm. what other games did we talk about where we were kind of mentioning the same sort of thing? There was a lot of games from like the NES and like early Super Nintendo era that we discussed. Mm-hmm. They should they should do that for Fantasy Star too, but I I would still refuse to play it. <laughs> well, yeah, they did it for Fantasy Star too. That's when they did it for. No, I refuse. I've tried yep. that game three times. I'm done. Yep. But um, yeah, no, it was just kind of one of those things where we got talking about it. It's like, oh, you know, it would be kind of nice if you know games did that, or like um. You know, we kind of have an inverse of that now with um, Dragon Quest uh, Eleven, where they had an option where you could uh, half the EXP that you could get. And then eventually you would, like, if you got too strong, the enemies would be like, oh, you're not going to get any experience, but you, know, you got to move on to the next area. So, you know, you kind of have like an inverse of that where you get plenty of it now, but if you want to make things a little more uh, like the old school way, you can tone it down a bit. So, you know, hey, modders, if you know, if you're out there, you're making ROM hacks and stuff for um, old Super Nintendo or NES RPGs. You know what? Think about a double EXP and uh, and money one, <laughs> and have those encounters. Yes. But all right. Well, I think this brings us to the end. If we're uh, talking about hacks of ancient games that uh, we're, we haven't played yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is for the future. We're we're planning this out for fu- for a future episode. Like, yeah. the modders are going to be listening, and being like, "We have to do it. We have to go." If you are joining <laughs> us in the year 2024, uh, you know, check out our uh, best games that we played in 2023 and see if we caught up on those. <laughs> <laughs> if they were any good. But though, for now, I think that's it for this episode of Slime Time Side Quest. Thank you, Austin Ervar and Pendy, for joining Angus to talk about our favorite games that we played this year. Thank you, as always. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, If you are dying to hear more about our favorite games of 2022, uh, we'll be having a part two come up uh, sometime next week uh, with a different lineup of guests and with uh, Platty sharing uh, his uh, non-honorable mention, uh, which we all know is (laughs) Waldoigi. You know, he says he he said it was so difficult. Dishonorable. (laughs) Hey, it had Waluigi. So it had Waluigi like that. That that was my whole thing. I'm like, oh, my God, I can play this classic game that so many people love. But with (laughs) with my favorite guy. So just random question real quick before we move on. Um, Mm -hmm. with, With that mod. Did it at least make his nose pink? Like how Waluigi's oh, nose God, pink? Oh, God, no. It, it, he, like, I, it was very a budget thing where he just changed the color. I mean, it even looked like Mario. He wasn't taller or anything. Oh, okay. So just, yeah. dang. How he did a maybe but, he... You look at the development log, and he's got all this stuff in there. He's got new items coded in and all this stuff, like huge amounts. And then I look at it, and I'm like, well, that's just purple Mario. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just spoiler alert. If you play the Luigi one, it's basically the same way. Maybe yeah, yeah no, no, no. I, I I fully expect that one to be a you know that. But I, I wonder how many frames of animation all of those have. Is it too hard to put in like three rows of extra pixels in all of them? I mean, you're, if you're coding a whole other L- item or whatever, I, gotta, I, I don't know. It I, could I, be I, just it's easier for the devs to just uh, do a recolor, you know, make it yep. red to green. But you know. Yep. But I don't know. I don't mod stuff. So, you know, maybe there's more to it than, you know, you know maybe, we, maybe there's like Transformers. There's more than meets the eye. <laughs> oh, you know what has never once met my eye? What's that? Fucking Patreon. We don't use it. We don't see it. We don't touch it. We don't link it. We don't do any of that Patreon stuff. Uh, no matter what, who's on our episodes, no matter what we're discussing, we're not discussing Patreon. 
But if you got any moolah out there completely burning a hole in your wallet pouch, bottomless bag, treasure chest, pot barrel safe, or even searchable wall sack, and you would like to donate anything to a website that's been supporting Dragon Quest fans for over 20 years, go ahead and stop by the Dragon's Den at www.woodis.com den and click on support this site. Woodis has owned and maintained the Dragon's Den DQ fan site for decades. Uh, he personally edits every YouTube version of our podcast, and he fully appreciates any donations to help keep the servers running. And again, if you're listening to this episode before you listen to Treasures, hit that fast forward button. You can hear Woodis talk about his treasured memories of one day with the game tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, Dragon's Dead website also features an Amazon affiliate link. Uh, you, all you got to do is you click on that, you, you make, uh, and then you make a purchase. A small fraction of that sale will then go to support the den. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything, and it'll help Woodis uh, keep the site going for... You know, hopefully another 20 plus years. Woodis even has a Slime Time t-shirt with our logo from our resident graphic artist, Wayne Bullock, for sale on the den. You can look snazzy in just about any color you think. Uh, but yeah. yes, as part of the Dragon... Sorry, we have to say this. I'm very excited. As part of the Dragon Quest Slime Time Extended Universe, or DQ Stew, you can direct comments or questions for the podcast. Oh, look at all those exclamation points. Platy. <laughs> <laughs> you can direct sorry i gotta say it again universe exclamation point exclamation point <laughs> but yeah if you have any um comments or questions uh you can direct them to the podcast or for the podcast uh, on twitter and instagram um at dq slime time or consider joining in tons of dq discussions at the dragon's den forums uh, one of the few remaining forum sites still around uh, you can find it uh, from the dragon's den main page or at www.woodus.com dot com backslash forums uh, you can also find us and other rabid dq fans through barurian's officially unofficial dragon's den discord server yes for more dragon quest slime times side quest or tactfully die or pendy what's our newest one die another day die another day that ah, is okay good I, I do remember it we'll have to add that one to our list because you and aust have uh, done two of them now, right? That is correct. Yeah. Check out all these libraries of episodes on Dragon's Den, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. If you're listening to us right now, you know where to find us. You're there. Like, subscribe, you know, write a review for us. It'd be wonderful. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> if you have any suggestions for a future side quest episode, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to Platy via PlattyM3 on Twitter or Discord or the Dragon's Den. Uh, you can also contact me uh, on Twitter or the Dragon's Den or on Discord via personal message uh, on Discord or excuse me, on Twitter. Just look for at Yangus the Legend or you can contact me via DM through the other two. Uh, we have a list full of ideas and would uh, be happy to uh, add some more or to revisit a topic in the future, you know, depending on how much interest we get. But yes, there we go. Part one is done. Bye, everyone. Side quest complete. See you in part two next week. Music